Welcome to the Crypto Podcast. You can find all our episodes on thecryptopodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and YouTube, and you'll find the links in the podcast description. I also have the Awakening Podcast, Learn Polish Podcast, Meditation Podcast, and Speaking Podcast, and all can be found on RoyCon.com. Today, my guest, I'll actually read this because it's interesting, consulted 300 plus NFT brands, and you've partnered with Reddit, Twitter, and Quora. Please welcome Arvin Kamsey. Did I do it? Did so I much. do it justice today? It, it's perfect. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so yeah. I I suppose the best thing is you might just tell me your journey into crypto because I know you were doing biohacking before that, which is very interesting mm. to me as well. You might yeah. just tell me your, you know, introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, even when I was doing biohacking, everyone was rolling their eyes. I remember talking about things in there, um, like, you know, the 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 diets and everything I was doing back then. This is years ago, by the way. I had this brand called, like, Hack My Biology. Um, and then uh, I remember on podcasts, people would just roll their eyes, be like, what are you talking about? And then now it's just mainstream, it's very, very much mainstream. So, um, yeah, so the way I got into crypto was back in 2016, good friend of mine, Nick. Um, he uh, essentially introduced me to crypto by just showing me um, how invested he is. He literally sold everything he had um, and then put it into crypto. Um, and then a few years later, um, I called him to see how he's doing. Um, and, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, Nick, how's work? And he goes, what work? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, like, he's just traveling around the world. He's not really working. Um, and so it just really panned out really well for him as far as just the investment he, he did. Um, and this guy, by the way, never done any investment in his life prior to that. He's not like a, like he wasn't working at a hedge fund or anything like not Wall Street or nothing. Like he doesn't have any experience, not in his family or um, not, wasn't even an entrepreneur. He just really saw something in crypto back then um, and just went all in. And so that was my intro to that. And then now I have worked with a lot of public companies for the investor relationship marketing. Um, and so I understood how people could, I guess, how companies could find uh, short-term and long-term investors online, um, whether it be it, you know, on social media platforms or um, anywhere on the internet. And so um, back in two, uh, 2021, October 2021, when a, an artist from Italy, he approached me and he essentially told me about his NFT project. A lot of jargons he was using, I didn't even understand, like, uh, but at the time, I just knew it would be like my knowledge from investor relationship marketing with public companies would be transferable to the NFT marketing. Um, and I was right. Uh, when we sold out his very small collection, he only had like 10 pieces of art. Um, and we sold it out in, in a week without building any communities, without doing any of those things that you would have to do right now to, to be able to sell out NFTs. Um, and we just used Twitter ads. Um, and sold out his NFT. But that, to me, that was a proof of concept where I realized um, the knowledge that I'm bringing from investor relationship marketing could actually uh, be really helpful to people that want to uh, launch their own NFT collections. Um, and so since then, literally that month, I believe I worked with about 100 NFT brands. Um, and then since then, it's actually closer to about 400 um, NFT brands I worked with. Wow, excellent. Yeah. And like I like I I've looked at a load of the different things, but I know that the, like some of the largest ones, uh, Sands Vegas Casino, seven yeah. million in twenty hours. Yeah, and so yeah, and that's that's the thing is like a lot of them. I think the smallest smallest project has been about half a mil, um, and it was Fragos. 
that sold out in seven minutes. Um, and it's, it's just to some extent mind boggling for myself as well. Like how much money there is in the NFT, um, industry. And, you know, like, I think it, so for people who don't know, it was the first one was in 2015 actually. Um, but I would say last year it got somewhat more popular. Uh, so last year in 2021, it got somewhat more popular. Um, and, you know, we had the Beeple that's, that was sold for like $69 million, the, you know, the board apes and some of the, the icons in the, in the industry that they sold a lot, just showed to everyone that there's definitely value. And this is not just a expensive JPEG that you can just a screenshot um, and, you know, or save as on your, um, on your phone or your computer and then just hold it. It's not that it says actually more than that. So yeah. for say that, that casino project, do you might explain yeah. it and maybe explain, cause I know we've touched on it on the previous show, but cause obviously sometimes listeners might know, you might explain exactly what NFT is. NFT. Yeah, sure. So NF, first of all, it stands for non-fungible token as opposed to a fungible token. So something that's non-fungible, meaning like it cannot be duplicated. So if you think about um, any, any piece of art that's just only one version of it where you cannot really duplicate it, or even if you duplicate it, it won't be the same. So there's this, uh, I believe it's a red square. Um, it's by some artists. It's like 100 mil. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it at all, but it's a really iconic art piece of art. Um, and it's literally, it's just a square and it's just the, essentially red paint all over it. There's, like, if you look at it, do you think like a three-year-old did it? But um, the value of that artwork is actually 100 mil. And now if you think about that, so you can, you can like, we can just do it. Like right after this, we can just go create it ourselves. It's that easy, right? But it won't have, like, I can't sell it for 100 mil, right? The reason is that there's only one version of that. Right. So the authenticity, the verification um, that comes from the, the origin of the artwork, it comes from the NFTs. So NFTs are really so the non-fungible tokens are um, it could be audio, it could be video, it could be a moment in time that cannot be duplicated. Um, and there's only one version of it. Um, and um, it has a lot of utilities. It has a lot of use cases, a lot of reasons why it just came about. But it's a lot more than just an expensive JPEG, which what people would, could perceive it to be. And like when it is the art, so the artist is actually selling this and then the person can actually take it physically themselves as well? Or is it always being traded as a JPEG, let's say? Uh, so it's always being traded as a JPEG, but um, it could be as part of the utilities of the specific JPEG that you also get the physical version too. Um, and so, which is kind of cool because, you know, in the past, I mean, there's a lot of use cases for, for NFTs. If someone wants to just think about like, why? So what, why would you, because I think a lot of times when people look at NFTs, they just look at maybe board apes and they just, maybe they don't get it quickly like why but there are a lot of use cases that's just far beyond what we see on the social media so for example um, verification so for example if you think about like in the clothing industry or uh, design let's say any designer brands or let's say watches or anything that you wear any accessories like it's it's actually a big problem to authenticate what's fake what's not fake 
Um, and so with NFTs, you'd be able to do that. You'd be able to actually have, so like, so let's say if you buy a Rolex, uh, there's going to have, it's going to have a document that comes with it that says like, this is a real one. And uh, with the serial number, they can actually tell. Like if you bring it to like a Rolex um, store, they can tell if it's a fake one or not. So NFTs will serve that purpose um, and actually a lot better than a piece of paper would do. Um, and so, so that's one of the use case. Another one is for the artists, they get to be closer to uh, their audience. So for example, if you think about like, um, let's say uh, musicians, when they uh, produce an, uh, a track, a soundtrack, then they have to go through a company uh, to distribute it to their fans. But now they get to do it themselves. So first of all, they don't have to pay the middleman, but they also don't have as much regulations and they have more freedom on what they want to produce. Plus they have actually larger um, influence themselves. So they can do a lot of things that they weren't able to do in the past, right? So, so that's another use case. The third one is like, you can buy and sell NFTs at any time um, at any, it's like from anywhere in the world. That's, so that's actually really cool because a lot of times, um, you know, it's hard So specific countries. I know, for example, India, um, when you want to buy something uh, past, let's say five, six, uh, dollar, uh, $6,000, you have to call your bank and there's certain regulations in different countries. So that doesn't have, so because of the cryptos it doesn't have any regulations. Um, so you have more freedom. Uh, let's say, you know, the artist itself uh, can get a lot of value from producing NFTs because let's say I'm an artist. I sell you my, and I'm no one right now. I just started. I sell you my art for $5. You, you, you buy from me, you receive it. And 10, 10 years goes on. Um, and then let's say I become someone really popular, right? Um, and the, the artwork that you bought for $5, maybe now worth a million dollars, but I don't get anything out of that. You now have my art that's worth a million dollars and you can sell it for a million dollars. But with NFTs, now I'm still connected to that art. So you can at any point find the origin of an art, who created it, who, who are the owners, um, those are all recorded in the blockchain. Um, and so that's really helpful. But also that means I, as an artist, once that value of that artwork that I sold to you for $5 that went up, I still receive royalties. Um, so I get appreciated for, for my artwork for the rest of my life. Um, and that's very important for artists because, I mean, if you think about the stereotypical uh, artist, but we were told, maybe I was told actually my, my childhood was just starving artists right so people are broke um they go after their dreams um and so now that's changing because now they get to actually do what they love to do um and they don't have to worry as much about uh just paying the rent right so now in fact they could have a lot more power than a lot of people who are not even artists so um those are some of the use cases but there are many many more uh use cases you know like buying tickets for example into the sport um, like there are a lot of counter counterfeit um, of tickets, it's like sport tickets. Yeah. You can you can actually battle that with with NFTs. Many many things where authenticity is a is an issue, NFTs could solve it. Um, and then and then also a lot of people like NFTs has actually been a vehicle for a lot of people to get into investing and make a lot of money as well. Like my sister, she literally made like twenty k in, in a month just trading nfts um, that was her best month but yeah um so so that's and and just just context so she's 20 year old never done any investing in her life 
barely, she has not read even one book about investing and maybe just watch a bunch of YouTube videos. <laughs> um, and then, so that's just the accessibility, right? So like people who kind of missed the boat on uh, web two, uh, the transition to web two. Now the transition to web three, a lot of people actually find it accessible to actually get in and invest in NFTs. The price goes up, maybe they flip it or they just hold on to it and they just get like really cool values. I mean, I can go on and on. Like there's um, for like, for let's say authors, they can have like hidden chapters. If you buy their NFTs that you as an NFT holder only get to read that specific chapter from the author. There's so many. And, and just because you yeah. mentioned about the musicians, because yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm currently writing a few books, so I'm conscious of this as well. So yeah. I know that, you know, a lot of people, when you're selling uh, the book through Amazon or whatever, they're taking a big chunk out of the thing. Yeah. Spotify, they pay pittance. I mean, I know of people that are mm -hmm. on Spotify and yeah, they, a lot don't even get it. So by actually going through this, so they're basically able to download the MP3 of a new song, and I presume the artist probably realized the value in that and put it there before they actually put it up to, you know, the likes of Spotify and things like that. Exactly. And, and um, if they do it through NFTs, maybe they just add in a few more values to say, for example, if you hold the NFTs, maybe you get to meet with, uh, with the artists maybe once a year, like for like as a group, like with all the holders maybe, or like they get a ticket to this artist like show or um, there's many, many applications to NFT. So I think um, we are going through that place where I think I actually get got to watch it. So I, I learned about NFTs, I want to say January 2021. Um, I mean, I could see it before that too, but I didn't like, I didn't even touch it. Like I didn't do anything with it. But January 2021, that's when I like actually like fully uh, discovered it. Um, and then um, since then, I've seen a lot of phases into NFT, I guess, in the NFT industry. Right now, um, we're actually at a phase where a lot of people are just dealing with the like rug pulls and like dealing with hacks and just like all the like all the, I guess, um, problems with NFT industry are just being exposed right now. Like this is like literally the phase we're at right now. And um, the pace by which a lot of people understand, like getting to understand what NFTs are, that's also like accelerating. And then I believe next phase is going to be just a lot of regulations around it, which would mean like it may not be as more like as profitable and it may not also be like different, you know, uh, to what we have right now. But we are going through phases and we're going through it rapidly. Um, and so. And like with, yeah. because I know that, a lot of the rich boys, the guys pulling the strings around the world, they're big into art with the physical art. And because of there's no capital gains, there's no tax on that. Is it the right. same in the NFT world? Because I know with crypto, depending on the country, there's, you know, whatever way you do it, but you technically there is capital gains and you have to be careful of that. But with NFTs, how does it work? Yeah, actually. Um, so a lot of people do that where they... Well, they count it as an investment, but then the money goes into it like a trust, trust, I guess, what do we call it? Trust wallet trust, or trust fund? Trust fund, yeah. 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 So it goes to a trust fund. And then um, what happens is like, then later on, uh, they can do this thing called a, like a, a promissory note. So the money is actually essentially just like coming back to them later on. But so they don't have to 
they don't have to just go through like incredible so, they, so they're basically taking out their initial investment as the promise you know and leaving in the rest in the trust in the trust yeah yeah and so so that's cool because then you you know and then what what i see typically people do is like they end up and i do this myself by the way we end up just spending it on just like physical real estate i mean we could do virtual too and i do virtual as well but at the end of the day you do want to have like you know i guess diversify your stuff uh in that sense so i, I found that actually real estate is like a really common one a lot of people uh, make a ton of money in crypto or um nfts and then somehow gets into real estate eventually so yeah i, I think that's the secret in any investment because you know like sometimes people they put all their eggs in the one basket and anything can happen i mean i yeah. even i i know a guy he'd half a million was actually stolen from him so you know when, oh. when you you know especially on a what you have to be careful i mean you probably maybe maybe touch on some of the fraud that's going on to make people kind of conscious of it i mean yeah i mean two months ago i lost 100k in like a, in a minute like literally i just connected my wallet to so i was this is actually a video about it on my twitter um that's an arvin k nft i literally told people exactly how that happened so that they don't have to um go through it but so that's a, the arvin k nft but uh, basically what it was like i searched decentraland um so i was going to buy some virtual land from decentraland and then the website that showed up first was actually a fake website which is really weird because I've never seen that before in my life where like a website shows up above the actual website. So it has actually better SEO than the actual website. That's very strange. So I clicked on it. It looked exactly the same as Decentraland, connected my wallet and then poof, like 100K was gone. Ouch. Yeah, and of course it was my fault too to have that 100K in it because I had all my land in it. For some reason, I, just, I was just being lazy to be honest. Um, and of course that's what you get for being lazy. So um, I didn't have it in a, in a, like a cold wallet. I didn't have that, like all those lands in cold wallet. So then I just lost it in seconds, but that's not it. Like there's plenty, like, so that was for me, but there's plenty I've seen, like, even like two days ago, two brands, uh, one of them, like Tribex, they like literally, I think in five hours, six hours, they lost 600 K. So they um, started the mint. And, and then something happened with their contract, smart contract. Um, and then um, some, some, I don't know, some hacker, uh, they took ownership of the smart contract, transferred all the money to his wallet. And then when we tracked that wallet, by the way, it had 2 billion in it. And so, um, and it's, apparently it's the same hacker that actually hacked um, Azuki. So for people who know what the NFT brand is, Azuki. But um, the crazy thing is like, we're just... It's like, a, to me, I actually, I, I feel like really bad because this is, this is our, our thing. Like this NFT community is really our stuff. It's, it is our chance to actually have freedom and have like, to have that decentralized world. So if we talk negatively about it or like, we just, you know, put it down like actively, no one's going to pick it up for us. And so, but I see that like in a lot of times, like people like, you know, some brands make money um, in NFTs and then everyone says like, oh, it's a cash grab. It's like, you, you have no idea like how much this brand actually spends time, like sleepless night and, you know, the team that goes behind it, like what actually goes on into like what they do. And then sure, they, they, they make a lot of money, but 
that's perfect. Like, that's amazing. We should be happy for like people making a lot of money. Right. And then it so happens, actually, those brands that make a lot of money, they actually give away a lot of money to like a lot of charities to do a lot of great things with their money. But I feel like we're at a point where there is that, there's that vibe in the NFT community where people are not realizing no one else is responsible except ourselves for this NFT. There's no bank to blame. Like it's us. And so I think there's definitely room for just understanding and just awareness on saying, hey, like we came up with this whole idea of decentralized, decentralized, um, I guess, world. And then now we have to actually just be responsible. So like the fact that we lose money, it's actually our fault. Like we need to learn how to not lose money, right? It's not like we can't blame people. We can't blame hackers. We can't like, it's just not going to work like that. And even like rock pulls too, like if you go around and just calling every single NFT brand a rock pull, it won't do us any good. Like then all it happens is just like FBI, let's say, for example, it would just, they would take over to control the situation. And then, then everything would just be regulated, not by us. It would be by a centralized government again. So it's like that defeats the whole purpose. So I find that like, actually, it's just like, really strange that people don't think about like what responsibility we have right now to actually make it a better community, make it a better experience for everyone. It's like, it's literally our thing. So. And it's strange. Cause I, I actually had discussed that with, with somebody uh, about the, what you said, the website that, you know, they change it and you just assume they have everything replicated, but the fact that it came up on the search engine beforehand, I mean, like, I'm conv- like, I know from one of my podcasts exposing a lot of the stuff, Google, a lot of these, Facebook, a lot, unfortunately, they're not the good guys. And there's a good chance that they're actually orchestrating all this just to make people, you know, go, oh, I don't want to be doing this and to keep away from it. Yeah. And I see this in social media, too. Like someone talks about like a brand. I was like saying, like, I literally saw it on LinkedIn yesterday. Someone was just posting about, they have zero like knowledge of like this specific brand that they're talking negatively about. And then they're talking about it and they're saying, oh, they're like cash grab, rock pull, blah, blah, blah. Why do they make a lot of money? They don't probably care about people. It's like that those are exclusive events, but sure. And then what's worse is that I see a lot of people commenting under it and just like agreeing with it and just like sharing it. It's like, but what do you think you accomplished with that? Like, at the end of the day, like literally we get nothing out of that. Like if anything, um, NFTs could bring a lot of like accessibility to people. It could actually distribute the wealth a lot, like to our, to everyone's favor, really. Um, so people can, like my sister would never, ever be able to just like get into some like random business in a few months, make it start making 20 K a month. That's just, I never done that in my life. Like I I've been in marketing since like 2012, like it wasn't like that. Like when it was like first three months, I started making 20 K a month. That's just not a thing. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's like the perfect opportunity. It's just so good for us. And then we just not gonna, we just shouldn't like really ruin it. Like we should actually just like nurture it and just make it a lot better and just um, bring a lot of like positivity into it versus like, you know, just putting it down. No, brilliant. And what I love actually is, one you're sharing what happened here because a lot of people they don't want to do that and i think that's the best thing that you can do because once you share it one you will never make that mistake again and two you will help a lot of people to be cautious 
of that. And like, just say on the crypto invest, I mean, I, I, I done a course on that and the guy has like 47 different tips on how to actually. So if you really want to check out the crypto that you're investing, there is ways of making sure that it's safe instead of just, you know, following some TikToker that says, Hey, you need yeah. to go into this. And unfortunately, that's what people are doing. They know they just, that's they what just they do. And then they, yeah. they're the guys that are complaining and writing on the. Exactly. And same thing with um, like, so for example, one of the things I tell NFT brands to do is just influencer marketing. Um, and then what they do is like, they just go to an influencer, they pay this influencer and they just sit back and then they expecting results. And then what, once that doesn't happen, which of course it wouldn't happen because like the influencer doesn't like, they get like so many requests. You have to actually prepare them. You do, you need to do like pre-production, post-production, what like the offer that you have in that video for them, like how they're going to do the video, all those little things actually matter. But what people think is like, well, I paid this influencer um, and then this influencer did nothing. So they're a scam. It's like, okay, like, okay. Like how is that accomplishing anything for you? Like, and so that's, that's what the, in, like, that's what the industry has become. Like everyone's just calling each other out on things that just has zero like relevance to like reality. And I think we're gonna, so we're gonna get past it. You know, some, a lot of great people also out there just like spreading like awareness, positivity in it too. Like they're actually sharing things with like evidence, with real data, hard data. So, so I, I, I say we're going to get past it, but it's just like, that's the current state we have. Like a lot of people just making, like blaming other people on things. And of course being like, being behind a keyboard and blaming other people is like the easiest thing uh, to do. And so it's like people take that, you know, path of like res least resistance and just do that. Yeah. yeah. Like with, with, with the different podcasts that I got, especially the one that's kind of controversial. It's like the things that people write, they would never say it to your face. No. It's like people get extremely, and what you will find if you actually go into, it's always the ones that don't have the picture or have maybe all, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's never somebody that's fully transparent that's abusive. It's always, right. so you just know it's either, I don't know, yeah, some working center that's actually doing this or what, but never take it to face value. Like don't ever let it get to, you know, stay in the positive vibe. Just the way I exactly. Yeah. And there, there was another one that I, I, cause I, I like your website actually, because you've got uh, like details of different projects and, you know, you can read more and you actually go, go into it in a lot of detail. And this, this is actually very interesting. Uh, the Frogus one. It was yeah. like, yeah, two, 2,222 NFTs. Yeah. You might just talk a bit about that. I thought that was Yeah. Okay. So that's a really fun project. Uh, I mean, I just give people some sense. Like, so we have, so I and the founder, we have a lot of marketing meetings, of course. Um, and so prior to the, them selling out and even past, past selling out. So now we, we're focusing on like the staking features that they have and like increasing full price, so on and so forth. Now, um, so let's say if, if I have an hour with the, with the founder on a call for marketing meetings, he spends half an hour literally just talking about how handsome the, the frogs are. Um, and like literally every time he just shows me these things as if I've never seen them before. And, and so we talk about like how, how like handsome they are. And then we start an actual meeting. Um, and so, so I say that because this is very important. Like if you like just the, the affinity people have toward their own artwork and it's all hand-drawn for him. Um, and so that's also another thing where like community appreciates it. Uh, like actually my sister is a holder of that NFT 
like on the day that there was it was revealed she literally called me and then she for half an hour she was talking about the the frog was too like i'm like i know guys like i actually been part of this project like you guys don't need to tell me but so but in that community so the point is the community is very tight where a lot of people just so excited about the art um and that's actually very interesting because at the beginning, we didn't have a lot of utilities. It was actual t- type of like PFP project, like the profile picture type of project. We didn't have a lot of utilities. Um, we, we do now, like we have the staking and so many things going on. We have the coins and everything. At first, it's just like a represent, it's a good representation of a, pro- a PFP project that can actually distill like really cool values in the community. So then they're very connected and they just really love the art. Um, and so... So we've, we've had that. And now um, the, the way it worked is um, we essentially built a, a Discord, built a Twitter, um, and it wasn't really large Discord on Twitter neither. Like it was, I want to say at the time of the, uh, the uh, mint day, we probably had maybe 2,500, 3,000 people in the Discord, which is not that many. Typically, I like, to, I like people to have five times the number of their collection size. Uh, so let's say, so three to five times. So let's say if it's a 10,000 collection size, then I'd like people to have 30 to 50,000 people on their Discord. But in this case, again, like we broke the rules because the community was like very strong. You know, they just post memes everywhere. They go like ribbit, ribbit. You know, they, they have put their frogs, you know, everywhere. So um, so we, we, we got away from not doing that. And then also, so the things we did, we did um, Instagram ads, uh, we did Quora ads, um, and people in Europe, by the way, listening to this, they may not know what Quora is. Apparently, Quora is something that's not known in European countries, but like in the US and Canada, we definitely know like what, what it is. And actually India as well. Like those are apparently three countries that they know what Quora is. So it's uh, spelled as Q-U-O-R-A. Anyway, so we did Quora ads, Instagram ads, and then paid influencers. And this was in a Solana blockchain. Um, again, also Solana, the cool thing about Solana is that there are a lot of um, influencers that are just excited about Solana growing. Um, and so they helped a lot as well. Um, and so um, it was a combination of those. We built the Twitter, we built the Discord, um, and we did a lot of retargeting a few days before uh, the mint day. And so we showed people, hey, this is the mint day coming up, maybe five days left, four days left, three days left. Just uh, really just like we call it a tease. We did the tease. Um, and then on the mint date, we did more ads showing people, hey, the mint is live. Um, and then literally seven minutes after the public sale was on, um, we sold out. Like the entire thing was just bought. Um, and we had a lot of whitelisters. So I think that's another that's another key in why this uh, project was successful. So whitelisters for people who don't know, uh, essentially people who uh, give their uh, wallet address um, to the, to the, I guess, founders of the NFT project uh, to be, I guess, included in the smart contract. So they're pre-approved to buy the NFTs at an earlier date, typically. Um, and so we had a lot of those people as well, and they bought plenty as well. And I, I guess for people who, the, I guess the mystery of how like a lot of brands, like, you know, I've worked with that they, they sold out in seven minutes, 10 minutes, one hour, it's typically because wirelessers buy the whole thing, like almost 80 to 90% of the collection, they buy it. Um, and then when we open it to the public, there's not much left uh, for the public to buy. That's why it just happens so quickly. Yeah. Um, and so the just public comes in, maybe, you know, that those few that NFTs that are left, people buy them. Um, and then that'll be the, you know, sellout. 
and are that community then trading with each other so somebody kind of realizes hey the more these i've got the better value it will be yeah actually so one of the strategies so so up until the uh the sellout all our focus was just building discord building whitelists building twitter that's literally what it is and that's part of a true for any nft brands but past the sellout then we actually surveyed everyone who was a holder of the nft uh, we asked them what countries they're from, what age they were from, uh, what, what, guess what day age they were, if they were married, or if they were single, like all sorts of information. I just wanted to get a clear sense of who the buyers are. Um, and then what I did was like, so we just introduced this thing where we said, hey, if you hold, because we, we noticed some people hold like 10, some people hold like 20 NFTs. And then we noticed, we said, okay. And we thought about it, it's like, okay, uh, we asked them too. We're like, hey, if you're holding 10 plus, why are you holding 10 plus? Like, that's crazy. Like, why? Like, um, and so we literally asked them. And so they gave us the reasons. And then we realized from those reasons that we can incentivize people to actually hold more. Now, the, the concept behind a lot, of, a lot of the holders holding a lot of NFTs is that if, let's say, I as a holder have 30 NFTs, chances are I'm so invested in this project. I've doubled down so hard on this project that I'm not going to go list my, list my NFTs for some low price. So I really believe in this project, right? So this is kind of like a cycle. It's like, I have to believe to buy a lot of NFTs. And if I buy a lot of NFTs, I believe more um, in the project because now I just, I'm really invested. I showed it with my actions, right? Um, and so, so what we did was we actually changed that distribution. We made it so that Many, many more people uh, actually moved into holding maybe five plus, 10 plus. Um, and then that stabilized our floor price because these guys were just not literally the, the most loyal people. Um, we could ask them, be like, hey, just do not list anything. And they would just not do it. Um, we also incentivize people who listed uh, their NFTs to delist it. Um, and we would give them, let's say we said, like, we're going to airdrop like a, like a baby frog. Or, um, you know what I mean? So like a bunch of, bunch of things we came up with as a benefit. So, so then people buy more NFTs and then also if they've listed it, delist it. Um, and that's how we, like, we actually increase the floor price um, for, for, the, for the froggles. And we continuously doing that. So that's, that's actually one of the things like brands don't think about. This is going to be your life. Pass, you sell out. This is, this is a community. If you don't like them, it's not fun. So, cause you have to, you have to be with them. Like literally if you drop talking to the community, everything just goes haywire. It's a, it's a, it's a, a lot of times I think people think about a brand that they just going to sell out and then maybe they move on to the next project. But the reality is like, you need to really love that project. Um, and then just continuously like serve that community that you built. That's the, re- that's the proper way of actually doing it. Uh, but of course, people find it easier to just move on from one project to another. So that's what typically we do. And like, if there's sales then in between, I mean, obviously when it's minted is, is the actual terminology for going up. Yeah. So the artist is making his but does he get anything then when it's being sold? Is there any kind of percentage goes back? Yeah, to- so there's the royalty. I believe it's 7.9% royalties on all the trades that he, uh, the founder is getting. Um, on the day of the mint, I believe he made somewhere around 400 and something, 460K, I believe. 
Um, and is and that then, seven point odd? Is that just what he determines, or is it a kind of yeah, industry standard? Yeah. No. So the yeah. well, the standard is somewhere around. Well, you can do anything if you want. Like you can do thirty percent, but no one does that. So typically, people do anywhere from three to I would say seven percent. That's that's the typical thing. Some people do ten percent. I, th- I think Gary V. He does ten percent for his project, but uh, most people closer to like seven ish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. just fi- fine. I, we've gone past it because I was trying to keep that, but I I'd love to get you back because I know you're going on a speaking tour as well, and we might uh, include that in the show notes. But uh, cool. SOL because is that was that what he uses? Solana. Yeah, I don't know what that is to be honest. The first time I yeah. came across it. So is that just connected with NFTs or is it a certain crypto for that's, us? Yeah, that's the so that's an altcoin essentially. So that's Solana blockchain. So just like you you have like Ethereum. You have bitcoins, so Solana is its own uh, blockchain. And we so uh, for people who are actually deciding on this, if they're want to, if they want to do their own collection, so typically, so I would say majority of people they go and build their NFTs on Ethereum because that's the one that's most mostly known by people, and that's actually thanks to OpenSea for that. Because OpenSea is the one that's actually mostly known to people. Like if you ask a marketplace, everyone just thinks of OpenSea. The reality is that there are many actually marketplaces out there, um, but everyone just knows OpenSea and that's it. Now on um, Solana blockchain, the the uh, I guess marketplace that everyone knows is called Magic Eden. Um, and so if you want to buy, if you're a buyer of NFTs, if you want to buy um, NFTs that are on the Solana, you just go to, for example, a place marketplace like Magic Eden. If you want to buy NFTs that are based off um, Ethereum, you go on uh, OpenSea marketplace. But as far as the NFT, um, I guess, uh, founder, you just got to think about how Ethereum is mostly known to people. And that's that's the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people. So it's actually easier to, to tell people to say, hey, this is the blockchain we are. So you don't have to explain that. If you say, if you, if you just build your, let's say, build your NFT on some, something like XRP, where almost no one does that, like very few people do it, then now you have to explain XRP to people. You have to explain your NFT. You have to explain, well, you have to explain NFT and your NFT um, and then XRP. And so there's a lot of explanations, a lot of things to communicate to your community. Versus if it's on Ethereum or Solana, it's a lot easier. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Listen, totally enjoyed our conversation. And I would definitely love to get you back because I love the way you explain things because sometimes it's very confusing and not everybody's got the skill set to actually simplify it and, and say it in a way. Because once I understand it, because I'm still bamboozled, to be honest with you, half the time. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm a lot more knowledgeable today after this conversation. So you might, you might let people know how they can uh, get in contact with you about websites and different things. Yeah. So um, as for the case studies that you were mentioning, um, earlier on, they can go on soldoutnfts.io. So that's S-O-L-D-N-F-T-S.io. So soldoutnfts.io. All case studies on there, um, they can just see how projects sell out. They can just do it themselves if they want to. If they want my help, uh, they can go to NFT. So that's A-R-V-I-N-K-N-F-T on all socials, um, on Twitter, I'm most responsive, but they can reach out to me anywhere they want. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and I'll make sure I put all the links in the podcast description, both on the audio and the video. Thank you very much. Perfect.
Of course, thanks for having me. That's all for the Crypto Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on thecryptopodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and YouTube. Sure to give us a five-star rating. Thumbs up. Share with your friends. It all helps. Until next week, take care. This podcast is and always will be free. There are two ways you can help me. As I spend a lot of time researching, recording, editing, and marketing my podcast, I also have plenty of costs with like Zoom, BitChute, StreamYards, as well as equipment. I have a donation button, which you can buy me a coffee once a month or even just donate one euro, because if everybody who listens to the podcast donate one euro, it would cover all the costs. You can also support our sponsors. All the links are in the podcast show notes. Thank you for listening. This podcast is sponsored by Coolabola, that creates simple and very advanced websites, as well as creating fantastic animation. If you or someone you know is looking to start or update their websites, we're offering a genuine 20% discount with the code CRYPTO. Just go to coolabola.com and the links are in the podcast description.